Hi guys, I'm so sorry if I took so long to read this chapter because it's just because I was busy preparing for the coming school year. But I hope you all enjoy this. Chapter 7 I accept gifts from a stranger. The way Tentao sighed, the Stimpalian birds had simply been minding their own business in the woods and would not have attacked if Anbitizen and I hadn't disturbed them with their bad chariot driving. This was so completely unfair. I told Tentao to go chase a donut, which didn't help his mood. He sentenced us to the kitchen patrol, scrubbing pots and platters all afternoon in the underground kitchen with the cleaning harpies. The harpies washed with lava instead of water to get that extra clean sparkle and kill 99.9% .9 of all germs. So Annabelle and I had to wear abscesses, gloves, and aprons. Tyson didn't mind. He plunged his bare hands right and started scrubbing. But Hanbei and I had suffered through hours of hot, dangerous work, especially since there were tons of extra plates. Santalis had ordered a special luncheon banquet to celebrate Ch Clarice chart victory, a full-course meal featuring country-fine Stimpalian Deadbird. The only good thing about our punishment was that it gave Annabelle and me a common enemy and lots of time to talk. After listening to my dream, to my Grover, about Grover again, she looked like she might be starting to believe me. If he's really found it, she murmured, and we could retrieve it. Hold on, I said. You act like this, whatever it is Grover found is the only thing in the world that could save the camp. What is it? I'll give you a hint. What do you get when you skin a ram? Messy? She sighed, a fleece. The coat of ram is called a fleece. And if that ram happens to have golden wool. The golden fleece? Are you serious? And Beth scrapped a pit full of dead bird bones in the lava. Percy, remember the Grey Sisters? They said they knew the location of the thing you seek. And they mentioned Jason. Two thousand years ago, they told him how to find the Golden Fleece. Do you know the story of Jason and the Argonauts? Yeah, I said, that old movie with the clay skeletons. Abbott rolled her eyes. Oh my God, Percy, you are so hopeless. What? I demanded. Just listen, the real story of the Fleece, there were these two children of Zeus, Cadmus and Europa, okay? They were about to get offered up as human sacrifices when they prayed to Zeus to save them. So Zeus sent this magical flying ram with golden wool which picked them up in Greece and carried them all the way to Colchis in the Asia Manor, Minor. Well, actually, it carried Cadmus. Europa fell off and died along the way. But that's not important. It was probably important to her. 
The point is, when Cadmus got to Colchis, he sacrificed the golden ram to the gods and hung the fleece in a tree in the middle of the kingdom. The fleece brought prosperity to the land. Animals stopped getting sick. Plants grew better. Farmers had bumper crops. Plagues never visited. That's why Jason wanted the fleece, so he can revitalize any land where it's placed. It can revitalize any land where it's placed. It cures sickness, strengthens nature, cleans up pollution. It should cure Tali's tree. Abbott nodded, and it would totally strengthen the borders of Camp Haplin. But Percy, the fleece has been missing for centuries. Tons of heroes have searched for it with no luck. But Grover found it, I said. He went looking for Pam, and he thought the fleece... And he found the fleece and said, because they both radiate nature magic. It makes sense, Annabeth. We can rescue him and save the camp at the same time. It's perfect! Annabeth hesitated. A little too perfect, don't you think? What if it's a trap? I remember last summer how Kronos had manipulated our quest. He almost fooled us into helping him start a war that would have destroyed the Western civilization. What choice do we have? I asked. Are you going to help me rescue, Gro rescue Grover or not? She glanced at Titan, who lost interest in our conversation and was happily making toy boats out of cups and spoons in the lava. Percy, she said under her breath, we'll have to fight Cyclops, Polypemus, the worst of the Cyclops, and there's only one place this island could be, the Sea of Monsters. Where's that? Where's that? She stared at me like she thought I was playing dumb. The Sea of Monsters, the same sea Odysseus sailed through, and Jason, and Aeneas, and all the others. You mean the Mediterranean? No, well, yes, but no. Another straight answer. Thanks. Look, Percy, the Sea of Monsters is the sea all heroes sailed through on their adventures. It used to be in the Mediterranean, yes, but like everything else, it shifts location as the world center of power shifts. Like Mount Olympus, being above the Emperor State Building, I said, and Hades, being under Los Angeles. Right, but a whole sea full of monsters, how could you hide something like that? Wouldn't the more thought is weird things happening, like ships getting eaten and stuff? Of course they notice, they don't understand, but they know something is strange about that part of the ocean. The Sea of Monsters is off the east coast of U.S., now just northeast of Florida. The mortals even have a name for it. The Bermuda Triangle? Exactly! I let that sink in. I guess I wasn't stronger than anything else I had learned since coming to Camp Haplin. Okay, so at least we know where to look. It's still a huge area, Percy. Some searching for one tiny island in the monster-infested waters. Hey, I'm the son of the sea god. This is my home turf. How hard can it be? Abbott knit her eyebrows. We'll have to talk to Tantalus, get approval for the quest. He'll say no. Not if we tell him tonight at the campfire in front of everybody. The whole camp will hear. They'll pressure him. He won't be able to refuse. Maybe a little hit bit of hope crept into Annabeth's voice. We'd better get three this dishes done. Hand me the lava spray gun, will ya? That night at the campfire, Apollo's cabin led a sing-along. They tried to get everybody's spirits up, but it wasn't easy after that afternoon's bird attack. 
We all sat around the semicircle of stone steps, singing half-heartedly and watching the bonfire blaze while the Apollo guys strummed their guitars and picked their lyres. We all did the standard camp numbers down by the Aegean uh, and my own great-great-great-great-grandpa. This land is minus land. The bonfire was enchanted. So the louder he sang, the higher it rose, changing color in the heat with the mood of the crown. On a good night, I'd see twenty feet high, bright purple, and so hot, the whole front row of marshmallows burst into flames. Tonight, the fire was only five feet high, barely warm, and the flames were the color of flint. Dinoshus left early, after suffering through a few songs. He muttered something about how even Pinnacle with Chiron had been more exciting than this. Then he gave Tentalus a distasteful look and headed back toward the big house. When the last song was over, Tentalus said, Well, that was lovely. He came forward with a toasted marshmallow on his stick and tried to pluck it off, a real casual like. But before he could touch it, the marshmallow flew off the stick. Tentalus made a wild grab, but the marshmallow committed suicide, diving into the flames. Tentalus turned toward us, smiling coldly. Now then, some announcements about tomorrow's schedule. Sir, I said. Tentalus' eyes swished. Our kitchen, our kitchen boy has something to say. Some of the average campers snickered, but I wasn't going to let anybody embarrass me into silence. I stood and looked at Annabeth. Thank the God she stood up with me. I said, we have an idea to save the camp. There's silence. But I could tell it got in everybody's interest because the campfire flared bright yellow. Indeed, Tentalus said blandly, well, if it has anything to do with chariots. The golden fleece, I said, we know where it is. The flames burned orange. Before Tentalus could stop me, I blurred out my dream about Grover and Polypemus Island. Polypemus Island. Abbott stepped in and reminded everybody what the fleece could do. It's all more convincing coming from her. The fleas can save the camp, she concluded. I'm certain of it. Nonsense, said Tentalus. We don't need saving. Everybody stared at him until Tentalus started looking uncomfortable. Besides, he added quickly, the sea of monsters, that's hardly an exact location. You won't even know where to look. Yes, I would. Abbott leaned toward me and whispered, You would? I nodded, because Annabeth had dropped something in the memory when she reminded me about our taxi drive with the Gray Sisters. At the time, the information they'd given me made no sense, but now, 30, 31, 75, 12, I said. Okay, Tentalus said, Thank you for sharing those meaningless numbers. They're standing coordinates, latitude and longitude. Uh, I uh, learned about it in social studies. Even Annabeth looked impressed. 30 degrees, 31 minutes north, 75 degrees, 12 minutes west. He's right! The Grey Sisters gave us those coordinates. That'd be somewhere in the Atlantic, off the coast of Florida. The Sea of Monsters. We need a quest. We just a minute, Natalia said, but the campers took up the chat. We need a quest! We need a quest! The flames rose higher. It isn't necessary, Tentalus insisted. We need a quest! We need a quest! Fine! Tentalus shouted, his eyes blazing with anger. You brats want me to assign a quest. Yes! Very well, he agreed. I shall authorize the champions to undertake this perilous journey. 
to retrieve the golden fleece and bring it back to camp or die trying. My heart filled with excitement. I wasn't going to let Tentile scare me. This was what I needed to do. I was going to save Rover and the camp. Nothing would stop me. I'll allow our champion to consult the oracle, Tentile announced, and choose two companions for the journey. And I don't think the choice of the champion is obvious. Tentile looked at Annabeth and yes, if he wants his place alive. The champion should be one who has earned the camp's respect who has proven resourceful in the chart races and courageous in the defense of the camp. You shall lead this quest. Clarice, a flyer flickered a thousand different colors. The Aries cabin started thumping and cheering. Clarice! Clarice! Clarice stood up, looking stunned. Then she swallowed, and her chest swelled with pride. I accept the quest. Well, I sh Well, wait! I shouted. Rover's my friend. The dream came to me. Sit down! yelled one of the Aries campers. You had your chance last summer. Yeah, he just wants to be in the spotlight again, another said. Clarice glared at me. I accept the quest, she repeated. I, Clarice, star of Aries, will save the camp. The Aries campers cheered even louder. Annabeth protested, and the other Athena campers joined in. Everyone else started taking sides, shouting and arguing, towing throwing marshmallows. I thought it was going to turn into a full-fledged more war until Tintal shouted, Silence, you brats! His stone stunned even me. Sit down, he ordered, and I will tell you a ghost story. I didn't know what we, he was up to, but we all moved reluctantly back into our seats. The evil aura radiating from Dallas was as strong as any monster I'd ever faced. Once upon a time, there were a moral king who was loved. Once upon a time, there was a moral king who was loved by the gods. And Talos put his hand over on his chest, and I got the feeling he was talking about himself. This king, he said, was even allowed to feast on Mount Olympus, but then he tried to take some ambrosia and nectar back to Earth to figure out the recipe. Just one little doggy bag, mind you. The gods punished him. They banned him from their holes forever. His own people mocked him. His children scolded him. And oh yes, campers. He had horrible children. Children just like you! He pointed a crook finger at several people in the audience, including me. Do you know what he did to his ungrateful children? Then Taltax softly. Do you know he paid back the gods for the cruel punishment? He invited the Olympians to feast at his palace. Just to show there were no hard feelings, no one noticed that his children were missing. And when he served the gods dinner, my dear campers, can you guess what, he, what, what was in the stew? No one dared to answer. The firelight glowed dark blue, reflecting evilly into the palace crooked face. Oh, the gods punished him in afterlife, Tantalus croaked. They did indeed, but he had his moment of satisfaction, hadn't he? His children never again spoke back to him or questioned his authority. And do you know what? Rumor has it that the king's spirit now dwells at this very camp, waiting for a chance to take revenge on ungrateful, rebellious children. And so, are there any more complaints before we send Clarice off on her quest? Silence. Tentiles nodded at Clarice. The oracle, my dear, go on. She shifted uncomfortably, like she didn't even want the glory at the price being Tentiles' pet. Sir? Go, he snarled. She bowed awkwardly and hurried off toward the big house. 
What about you, Percy Jackson? Tintalus asked. No comments from our dishwasher? I didn't say anything. I, was, I wasn't going to give him the satisfaction of punishing me again. Good, Tintalus said. And let me remind everyone, no one leaves this camp. Without my permission, anyone who tries, well, if they survive the attempt, they'll be enforcing curfew from now on. And they're always hungry. Good night, my dear campers. Sleep well. With a wave of Tintal's hand, the fire was extinguished, and the campers strolled off toward their cabins in the dark. I couldn't explain things to Tyson. He knew I was sad. He knew I wanted to go on the trip, and Tintal's wouldn't let me. You will go anyway, he asked. I don't know, I admitted. It would be hard, very hard. I will help. No, I, uh, I couldn't ask you to do that, big guy. Too dangerous. Tintal's looked down to the pieces of metal who was assembling in his lap, springs and gears and tiny wires. Back and Ruff had given him some tools and spare parts. And now Tyson spent every night tinkering, though I wasn't sure how his huge hands, hands could, make, could handle such delicate little pieces. What are you building? I asked. Tyson didn't answer. Instead, he made a whimpering sound in the back of his throat. Annabeth doesn't like Cyclops. You, you don't want me along? Oh, that's not it, I said half-heartedly. Annabeth likes you, really? He had tears in the corners of his eye. I remember, I remember that Grover, like all satyrs, could read human emotions. I wonder if Cyclops had the same ability. Tyson folded up his tinkering project in an oilcloth. He lay down on his bunk bed and hugged his bundle like a teddy bear. When he turned toward the wall, I could see the weird scars on his back. Like somebody had plowed over him with a tractor. I wonder, for the millionth time, how he'd gotten hurt. Daddy always cared for me, me, he sniffled. Now, I think he was mean to have a Cyclops boy. I should not have been born. Don't talk that way, Poseidon claimed you, didn't he? So, he must care about you uh, a lot, my voice trailed off. As he thought about all those years, Tyson had lived in the streets of New York in the cardboard refrigerator box. How could Tyson think that Poseidon had cared for him? What kind of dad let that happen to his kid, even if his kid was a monster? Tyson, camp will be a good home for you. The, the others will get used to you, I, I promise. Tyson sighed. I waited for him to say something, then I realized he was already asleep. I lay back on my bed and tried to close my eyes, but I just couldn't. I was afraid I might have another dream about Grover. If the Ampanelian was real, if something happened to Grover, would I ever wake up? The full moon shone through my window. The sound of the surf rumbled in distance. I could smell the warm scent of the strawberry fields and hear the laughter of the dryads as they chased owls through the forest. But something felt wrong about the night. The sickness of Talia's tray was spreading across the valley. Could Clarice save half the hill? I thought the odds were better of me getting a best camper award from Tantalus. I got out of bed 
and pull on some clothes. I grab a beach blanket and a six-pack of Coke from under my back bunk. The Cokes were against the rules. No outside snacks or drinks were allowed. But if you talked the right, to the right guy in Hermes' cabin and paid him a few golden drachma, he could smuggle in almost anything from the nearest convenience store. Sneaking out after curfew was against the rules, too. If I got caught or either get in big trouble or be beaten by harpies. But I wanted to get the ocean, to see the ocean. I always felt better there. My thoughts were clearer. I left the cabin and headed for the beach. I spread my blanket near the surf and propped open a Coke. For some reason, the sugar and caffeine always calmed down my hyperactive brain. I tried to decide what to do to save the camp, but nothing came to me. I wish Poseidon would talk to me, give me some advice or something. The sky was clear and starry. I was checking out the constellations Annabelle had taught me. Sagittarius, Hercules, Coronaboris, when somebody said, Beautiful are they? I almost spooned my soda. Standing right next to me was a guy in nylon, running shorts, and a New York City marathon shirt. He was slim and fit, with salt and pepper hair and a sly smile. He looked kind of familiar, but I couldn't figure out why. My first thought was that he must have been taking a midnight jog down the beach and straight, stayed inside the camp borders. That wasn't supposed to happen. Regular mortals couldn't enter the valley. But maybe, with the tree's magic weakening, he managed to slip in. But in the middle of the night, and there was nothing around except farmland and safer surfs. Where would the sky had jogged from? May I join you? he asked. I haven't sat down in ages. Now I know. A strange guy in the middle of the night? Common says, I was supposed to run away. Yell for help? Easy. But the guy acted so calm about the whole thing that I found it so hard to be afraid. I said, uh, sure. He smiled. Your hospitality does you credit. Oh, Coca-Cola, may I? He sat at the other end of the blanket. Papa soda and and took a drunk drink. Ah, uh, that hits the... That hits the spot, peace and quiet. Uh, a cell phone went off in his pocket. The jogger sighed. He pulled out his phone, and my eyes got big because it glowed with bluish light. When he extended the antenna, two creatures began rittling around it. Green snakes, no bigger than earthworms. The jogger didn't seem to notice. He checked his LCD display and cursed. I got to take this, just a sec, then into his phone. Hello? He listened. The mini snakes reel up and down the antenna right next to his ear. Yeah, the jogger said, listen, I know, but I don't care if he's chained to a rock with vultures pecking at his package. With vultures pecking at his liver. If he doesn't have a tracking number, we can't locate his package. A gift to humankind, great. You know how many of those we deliver. Oh, never mind. Listen, let's refer him to Aries in customer service. I gotta go. He hung up. Sorry, that overnight express business is just booming. Now, as I was saying, you have snakes on your phone. What? Oh, they don't bite. Say hello, George and Martha. Hello, George and Martha.
a raspy male voice said inside my head. Don't be sarcastic, said a female voice. Why not? George demanded. I do all the real work. Oh, let's not do it. Go into that again. The jogger slipped his phone back into his pocket. Now, where are we? Ah, yes, peace and quiet. He crossed his ankles and stared up at the stars. Been a long time since I'd gotten to relax, ever since I telegraphed. Rush, rush, rush. Do you have a favorite constellation, Percy? I was still kind of wondering about the little green snakes he'd shove into his jogging shorts. But he said, uh, I like Hercules. Why? Well, because he had rotten luck, even worse than mine. It makes me feel better. The jogger chuckled. Not because he was strong and famous and all that? No. You're an interesting young man, and so what now? I knew immediately what he was asking. What did I intend to do about the fleas? Before I could answer, Marta, the snake's muffled voice, came from his pocket. I have the meter online too. Not now, the jogger said. Tell her to leave a message. She's not going to like that. The last time you put her off, all the flowers in the floor delivery division wilted. Let's tell her I'm in a meeting. The jogger rolled his eyes. Sorry again, Percy. You were saying? Um, who are you exactly? Haven't you guessed by now? A smart boy like you. Show him, Mara pleaded. I haven't been full size for months. Don't listen to her, Georgette. She wants to show off. The man took out his phone again. Original form, please. The phone glowed a brilliant blue. It switched into a three-foot-long wooden staff with dove wings and sprouting from the top. George and Martha, now full-size, screamed snakes, coiled together around in the mill. It was a caduceus, a symbol of cabin 11. My throat tightened. I realized who the jogger reminded me of with his elfish features and mischievous twinkle in his eyes. You're a lute's father, I said. Hermes! The god pursed his lips. He stuck out his caduceus in the sand like an umbrella pole. Luke's father? Normally, that's not the first way people introduce me. God of thieves, yes. God of messengers and travelers, if they wish to be kind. God of thieves works, George said. Oh, don't my George, Mario flicked her tongue at me. He just bit it because Hermes liked me best. He does not, does do. Behave, you two. Hermes swore, Earl, turn you back into cell phone and set you on vibrate. Now, Percy, you still haven't answered my question. What do you intend to do about the quest? I don't have permission to go. No, indeed. Will that spot stop you? I want to go. I have to say Brover. Hermes smiled. I knew a boy once, a younger than you by far. A mere baby, really. Here we go again, George said, always talking about himself. Quiet, Mars snapped. Do you want to set on vibrate? <laughs> Hermes ignored him. One night, when this boy's mother was watching, he sneaked out into the cave and stole some cattle that belonged to Apollo. Did he get blasted into tiny pieces? I asked. Um, no. Actually, everything turned out quite well. To make up for his tip, the boy gave Apollo an instrument he invented. 
a liar. Apollo was so enchanted with the music that he forgot a little about being angry. So what's the moral? The mortal, Hermes asked. Goodness, you act like it's a fable. It's a true story. Does truth have a mortal? Um, now how about this? Stealing is not always bad. I don't think my mom would like that moral. Rats are delicious, suggested George. What does that have to do with the stories? Marta demanded. Nothing. George said, but I'm hungry. I've got it. Young people don't always do what they're told, but if they can pull it off and do something wonderful, sometimes they escape punishment. How's that? You're saying I should go anyway? I said, even without permission. Hermes' eyes twinkled. Marta, may I have the first package, please? Marta opened her mouth and kept opening until it was wide as my arm. She belched out a stainless steel canister, an old-fashioned lunchbox thermos with a black plastic top. The sides of the thermos were enameled with red and yellow ancient Greek scenes. A hero, a hero killing a lion, a hero lifting up Cerberus, the tree-headed dog, that's Hercules, he said, but how? Never question it again. Hermes traded. This is a collector's item for the Hercules bust head. The first season. Hercules bust head? Great show, Hermes said. Back before Hephaestus' TV was reality programming, a force the terms would be worth much more if I had a whole launch box. Or if it hadn't been the murders now, George added, I'll get you for that. Mar began chasing him around the caduceus. Wait a minute, I said, this is a gift? One or two of one of two, Hermie said, go on, pick it up. I almost dropped it because it was freezing cold on one side and burning hot on the other. The weird thing was, when they turned to the thermos, the tide facing the ocean north was always the cold side. It's a compass, I said. Hermes told, looked surprised. Very clever. I never thought of that. But it's intended to use. It's a bit more dramatic. Uncapped it, and you will release the winds from the four corners of the earth to speed on your way. Not now, and please, when the time comes, you only unscrew the lid a tiny bit. The winds are a bit like me, always restless. Should be all four. Escape at once, ah, uh, but I'm sure you'll be careful. Now my second gift. George, she is touching me. George complained as he and Marta slid around the pole. She's always touching you, Hermie said. You're in turns wind. And if you don't stop that, you'll get knotted again. The snakes stopped wrestling. George and his Joe and coughed up a little plastic bottle filled with chewable vitamins. You're kidding. Are those miniature shaped? Hermes picked up the bottle and rallied. The lemon ones, yes. The grape ones are the furies, I think. Or are they hydras? At any rate, these are potent. Don't take one unless you really, really need it. How will I know if I really, really need it? You'll know, believe me. Nine essential vitamins, minerals, amino acids, oh, everything you need 
to feel yourself again. He tossed me the ball. I'm tanked, he said, but Lord Hermes, why are you helping me? He gave me a malachony smile. Perhaps because I hope that you can save many people in this quest. Percy, not just your friend, Grover. I stared at him. You mean Luke? Hermes didn't answer. Look, I said. Lord Hermes, I mean, thanks and everything, but you might as well take back her gifts. Luke can't be saved. Even if I could find him, he told me that he wants to tear down Olympus stone by stone. He betrayed everybody he knew. He hates you especially. Um, Hermes gave up and the stars. My dear young cousin, if there's one thing I've learned over the eons is that you can't give up on your family, no matter how tempting they make it. It doesn't matter if they hate you, embarrass you, or simply don't appreciate your genius for inventing the internet. You invented the internet? It was my idea, Marta said. Rats are delicious, George said. It was my idea, Hermes said. I mean the internet, not the rats. But that's not the point, Percy. Do you understand what I'm saying about family? I'm I'm not sure. You will someday, Hermes got up and brushed the sand off his legs. In the meantime, I must be going. You have 60 calls to return, Marta said, and 1,038 emails, George added. Not counting the offers for online discounts and brochure. And you, Percy Hermes said, you have a short deadline, then you realize to complete your quest. Your friends should be coming right about now. I heard Annabeth's voice calling my name from the sand dunes, too. Tyson was shouting from a little bit further away. I hope I backed well for you, Hermes said. I do have some experience with travel. He snapped his fingers, and three yellow duffel bags appeared at my feet. Of course, if you ask nicely, your father should be able to help you reach the ship. Ship? Hermes pointed. Sure enough, a big cruise ship was cutting along Long Island Sound, its white gold and gold lights glowing against the dark water. Wait, I said. I don't understand any of this. I haven't even agreed to go. I made... I make up your mind in the next five minutes. If I were you, Hermes advised, that's where the harpies will come to eat you. Will come to eat you. Now, good night, cousin. And there I say it, may the gods go with you. He opened his hand, and the caduceus flew into it. Good luck, Mara told me. Bring me back a rat, George said. The caduceus changed into a cell phone, and Hermes slipped it in his pocket. He jogged off down the beach, twenty paces away, shimmered and vanished, leaving me alone with a thermos and a bottle of chewable vitamins, and five minutes to make an impossible decision. That was the end of chapter seven. Please stay tuned for chapter eight, guys. You know this podcast, this episode is about to end, but. I like to tell you something that I still think that, well, um, you know that Hermes is 
several thousands of years old is Percy's cousin. Well, I think that's weird. I mean, 1,000 year time, 1,000 times really, really weird. Anyway, bye guys.